Hi, I'm Steph. And I'm Becky. We're both health at every size aligned eating disorder clinicians. And on this podcast, we have conversations surrounding diet culture, social justice, authenticity, and unlearning. While we're both therapists, we approach this podcast as human beings on our own journeys. So just a friendly reminder that this is not to be a substitute for professional mental health services. And on this season, we're going to be focusing on the process of unlearning. We understand that much of what we believe in has not been our choice. Unlearning is choosing to challenge beliefs and take in new information to find what truly aligns with our values. We hope you'll join us for season two on Donut Mind If We Do. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Donut Mind If We Do. Steph and I had the pleasure and privilege of talking with Jesse Haggerty this week. Jesse is a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and certified personal trainer. She is a health at every size practitioner, focusing on intuitive eating and movement, eating disorder recovery, and weight-inclusive medical nutrition therapy. She also runs a group coaching program called Redefine Your Relationship with Exercise and an online course for personal trainers on eating disorder screening, nutrition, and body image. We're so excited to share this conversation with you. And before we jump in, I just wanted to let you know that Jesse's dog, Frank, also joined us. And if you're listening with headphones or just in general, I wanted to make sure that you were aware that you might hear him here and there, um, just so you're not startled. But without further ado, here's another episode of Donut Mind If We Do. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Jesse. How's it going? It's going well. How are you today? I'm good. So, um, I, we already shared this with you, but our season right now is on unlearning. So we've been asking our people that we've had on, what have you been unlearning recently? Oh yeah. I feel like so many things. I think, uh, the biggest thing that I've been unlearning for a while, but I feel like I've definitely been more focused on this unlearning is just productivity and like hustle culture of like I don't have to maximize like every second of my day to have (laughs) self-worth or even just uh I don't have to like earn my rest or earn fun time or play time and so I feel like that's definitely something that I'm actively (laughs) unlearning inside of my brain all the time yeah yeah And I feel like that is something you kind of really have to be intentional about because I think we're so trained in this culture to always be on, always be moving. And I did see a post that you did about laziness. And I feel like that really struck a chord with me because I know that that was something just growing up, again, in this culture that is something we've been taught to fear or, you know, fear to be described as lazy or fear at the act of laziness. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or anything you'd want to share around your process and unlearning like the idea of laziness? Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's interesting because I'm still unlearning it and I wouldn't even, um, I wouldn't even like classify myself currently as someone who's like hyper productive and gets Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff done. Um, But I think that there's always like the expectation in my head that I should be doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think I I always joke that like in when I was growing up in high school and in school in general, like I was always kind of pushed to do like B 
be get good grades, but then also be involved in like every single like extracurricular possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like still recovering from that. And I'm like in my mid thirties. <laughs> so like, yes. I feel like, um, I think that's like a big piece of this is like just the fact that like, even when we are resting, like the fact that we don't even feel like we're resting because we feel like we should be doing something else or we have guilt for doing that almost makes it feel like we just never actually get to rest because we're always feeling guilty. And then we have this narrative going on that we're lazy when in reality, like we're, you often overworked, not even mm-hmm. at, not even just at our jobs, but like taking care of things at home, people with kids, people with animals. Like there's just a lot of stuff to take care of. Um, so I just, I don't know. I feel like I've never actually worked with anyone who's like, I'm lazy. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Never, never seen it. Cause I feel like, you know, I don't know, our energy levels are so much more than just like how much we expend physically. Like I think mental and emotional energy plays a big part in how we feel too. Yeah, definitely. And I, as you said that, I was thinking about if any of this became more clear to you through the pandemic, or if you really feel like maybe you were already on that journey of unlearning some of this stuff. Yeah, definitely. It probably did become more clear during the pandemic because I felt like I was just always in like a state of burnout, (laughs) whereas like I would kind of have a little bit more ebbs and flows before, whereas like this felt a little bit more constant for a long, longer period of time. Um, But in general, I would just have these kind of periods where I would be like, I don't even know if hyperproductive is the right word, but like filling my time and just mm-hmm. working, like really focused on something and then, and maybe work-related, maybe not like, you know, I mean, this happened over the pandemic. I like redid my kitchen. Like I was like painting everything and like rearranging stuff and like <laughs> organized. And I was like just spending all of my time, like doing like all of these little projects. Uh, and then I like would hit a wall and I'm like, this is not sustainable. Like I can't operate like this anymore. Um, but it's hard. It's like a hard thing to unlearn because it's just so ingrained. Yeah. And I feel like early on in the pandemic, especially, I don't know if you experienced this, but I know on like my social media feed, everyone was posting all the new skills they were learning how they were moving their body so much more because they were at home and I was like what like I don't have a bandwidth for any of that I'm watching you know like Joe Exotic just be a chaotic mess I can't even fathom like you know it was just an interesting I think a lot of us had more time probably for a lot of comparison of like how am I going to best use my time in this quarantine versus like how do I just be Mm -hmm. in this like really uncertain time it's just interesting to think about yeah Definitely. Yeah, no, there was like a good stretch at the beginning where I was like waking up and then just like moving to the couch and then like Mm -hmm. sitting on the couch until I had to start working where I normally work with one-on-one clients. So like I kind of have to get to those appointments. (laughs) So I would like sit on the couch and then like do my appointments and then if I had any like break I would just like go back I like was so paralyzed 
mm-hmm. for like periods of it. And then I would kind of like yeah. swing into being like, okay, now I got to like get it together and get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I kind of reached a point where I was like, there has to be like a way in which people function in the middle, <laughs> like where we're not like going so hard or getting to the point where we just like literally can't do anything, which is kind of how I would, would work. Yeah. Yeah. It's very all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you see an overlap between what you're unlearning with hustle culture and what you lead others in unlearning about exercise and movement? Like, yeah, I there. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel like with, I feel like the same all or nothing swings are Mm -hmm. really common with Mm -hmm. exercise and movement as well. Feeling like, um, okay, I need to kind of like get it together and like make a plan. And like now there's like so many different plans you can follow online or apps and whatever, and then go really, really hard and then either like get injured or feel like I just am bored with this or don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then have like those periods of nothingness. And I think also, um, you know, exercise, we kind of put in like a separate category in our lives, but it takes energy and that energy has to get pulled from somewhere. Right. So if we're like already depleted from work or something else, then it's just harder to stick with things that either take up a lot of time or take up a lot of physical energy or potentially take up a lot of emotional energy, depending on what your relationship with exercise looks like. Mm -hmm. So I definitely see like the majority of, people I work with have these kind of like all or nothing swings when it comes to movement and it feels like the nothing periods feel like oh I'm lazy or I just like can't stick with anything mm-hmm. when in reality it's like you're just like putting so much pressure on yourself to do so much right yeah and I know obviously you are a health at every size aligned dietitian and you, you work with intuitive eating, but I think it's really refreshing. And I imagine for people listening to this to hear a fitness professional also kind of highlight that because I think we know in the fitness world, you don't hear that very often. You do hear very much like that, just do it kind of mentality. And I'm curious, like as you're doing this on learning and also still working in the fitness or you know personal training world, what are some ways that you would help clients build goals that um, aren't necessarily focused on like weight loss and are really allowing for them to rest and kind of live within, you know, that awareness that energy has to come from somewhere like you were just mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really dependent on the person. So I think about, you know, I think about, I think about like exercise and movement. I kind of think about there's like, this like joyful movement category, which might, <laughs> which might just include like activities of daily living, like things that kind of just like get baked into your day, whether it be like walking or riding your bike for a commute, or it might be something that's like more playful, like running around with your kids or like dancing around the house or something like that. And then I think of like, training which might be more like training for a specific event Mm -hmm. um which I hear some people like doing stuff like that (laughs) like (laughs) training for like five k's and stuff you know yeah I don't know 
It's very unfamiliar to me. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I just like those things. Um, but like I've done that with like I really love skiing, but like skiing is like one of those things that you only do like maybe once a year. And so I always feel like, okay, if I'm gonna go skiing, then like I generally will like set some goals around like just training to prepare my body for this activity that I don't normally do. Yeah. Um and then I think about exercise as being like something that maybe is more structured and more scheduled Mm -hmm. um for like general maybe like general health or well-being or just kind of like think about it like maintenance um maintenance like maintenance not sorry not weight maintenance but like you know keeping your joints moving and like keeping everything active um and so I really think about like just kind of setting those goals with clients of like what like what do you want to be focusing on? Do you want to kind of just use our time as something where you're like taking a break from everything and getting just to kind of reconnect with your body? Is there something that you want to work towards? I feel like there's so many other things that we can work towards with movement that like don't have to involve weight or body changes. Yeah. It reminds me of... um... I've stalked your Instagram many times and (laughs) um, in one of your highlights, I think it is, you were talking about um, values-based movement goals. And I was like, yes, because Mm -hmm. as therapists, Becky and I utilize values clarification stuff with clients all the time. And it's so huge to be able to start there with your goals instead of starting with goals and forgetting your values. Um, And I just really loved how you use that. So I don't know if you just maybe want to share a little bit with our listeners um, more about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, when I think about setting goals with clients, I, I generally will start with the question, like, how do you want to be spending your time? And like, sometimes I ask that generally, but sometimes I ask it like specifically, when it comes to to movement and exercise, because like I kind of just joked about, like, I think that there's always part of me when I'm like on a walk, not always, but sometimes where I'll be like on a walk and be like, maybe I can like, maybe I can go running. Like maybe I will sign up for a 5k. Like maybe (laughs) like, maybe I can. And then I'm like, do I really want to spend my time like training for a 5k? Like, no, like the the answer is like an immediate (laughs) visceral like no I do not want to spend my time doing that and so sometimes like you know I think that's just like I don't know if it's human nature if it's part of our conditioning where people just will decide like oh I really want to start doing this I'm like okay like if you want to do that like here's what the training plan is going to look like is that how you want to be spending your time so yeah I'll give you an example of a client that I did this with where she was um, going to the gym for her movement and exercise routine. She was trying to go like a few days a week. And then she realized that that was kind of getting harder and harder for her. Like she just didn't feel as up to it. So when we did the values assessment, she realized that like a lot of her values were like connection, like social connection, friends, like teamwork, like trying new, not trying new things, but it was like exploration and adventure. And um, 
she ended up joining a roller derby league. Which I was like, that I was that. so cool. I'm so I love that, because yeah. I'm too scared to do something like that. I feel like one of my values is like safety. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, but it was something that like she was able to put in her schedule and like she had fun doing it and it was like a new form of movement for her. And so I don't know. I feel like we can really learn a lot when we like ask those questions of like, what are the things yeah. that we value and how do we want to be spending our time and are we spending our time in a way that feels aligned with those values? And I think that like, there's a lot of things in our life that we have to do that feel like maybe they're not and movement yeah. like doesn't have to be one of those things. Yeah. That's so true. The whole like movement doesn't have to be one of those things. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, that's such a that's coming from a I'll say like a a place of freedom mm-hmm. I think to to know that you get to decide how you want this to look not we don't have to let the fitness industry the toxic fitness industry tell us how that has to look yeah right yeah right. exactly yeah. And we're thinking about the wellness field too. If we're not getting that social connection, it is such a value because we're spending time at the gym, right? It's going to negatively impact your overall wellness, right? We know that. Um, and as you were talking about the, the values piece, I was thinking um, how also that values check-in can also maybe in some ways help combat that hustle culture too. Um, and I don't know if that's something that you've kind of used in your own journey but just thinking about like, I'm working all the time, is that in line with my values of family, connection, adventure? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, that kind of self-inquiry can be helpful maybe on that journey too. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I think that there's always, I don't know, I think there's, there's always like a little bit of prioritization sometimes when it comes to values. Cause mm-hmm. I know that there is like, you know some things that you're like this isn't fun but I like have to do it <laughs> but um to kind of say like am I actually getting to live aligned with these like at some point like throughout my day or my week or even my month or something like mm-hmm. that yeah so I'm just thinking about how it's the end of well almost the end of January I suppose um and you know part of our intention around talking with you now is that it's kind of at this influx where there's new year's resolutions which inevitably means that diet culture and toxic fitness culture are all over social media in terms of goal setting and all of this and um, Becky and I noticed your comments on your page about goal setting burnout um And just how people might navigate that. Because I feel like mm-hmm. three weeks into the new year is when we start to feel that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe others would feel like it's maybe three months in. But regardless, it starts to fade at some point. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I, at this point, we might be touching upon things we've already kind of talked about. But I'm curious how you would navigate a client who maybe comes to you feeling that goal setting burnout. Mm. Yeah, I mean, ugh, like so, <laughs> so many things, like totally understandable, because yeah. I feel like, you know, 
I don't know. Like, I really, like, there was, like, part of me that had high hopes for 2022. Didn't like, just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, like, in the world, just not panning out. And um, just so, like, totally, <laughs> yeah, like, totally makes sense if, if you're losing steam. Um, but I think that, like, I would say if you're feeling burnt out with the goal setting piece, I think because I think it always kind of is easy to get burned out on them because goals require us to look forward and mm-hmm. like kind mm-hmm. of think about where we want to be in whatever, one month, three months, six months, a year. Um, and right now, like things are just so unpredictable mm-hmm. that I don't know. I just think personally, I feel like, every time I've done that over the past couple of years I've just been like a little bit disappointed because like something yeah. hasn't gone the way I wanted it to and that's always a risk like that's just part of life too which is why I really love that like how do I want to be spending my time question and I think yeah. it's such a nice like replacement if you're feeling like okay I'm just like constantly setting these goals and then but I actually don't want to like spend my I don't want to be spending my time in a in the way that I'm going to need to work to get to these goals, right? Like the, like, oh, I want to run a marathon. I'm like, but I don't want to do any of the training, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so, like, I think that those are important questions to ask when you're setting goals is like, well, what's it going to, how much, what's my time going to have to, my time commitment going to have to be? And is that really what I want to be doing? Um, Or is that what's going to be best for me right now? Um, and to do kind of a little like assessment that way and also that if you're like not reaching your goals like it's not your fault Mm. you know like it's probably because there's like something else that's just like in general not working about it you know yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) it makes me think about when Steph kind of was responding to your value stuff it was like that you're in control of these goals so like it sounds like what you're saying is there's always room to evolve and change your mind about what your goals might be and if you just set these big goals for this entire year of your life that that's a lot to be kind of putting out there but if you're saying like I you know I've been spending my time doing this is this still how I want to be spending my time yeah um, it allows for that gray area versus that black and white, all or nothing thinking we were kind of talking about before. Yeah. Like let yourself reassess mm-hmm. and change course. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know. It felt like a collective sigh of relief <laughs> when you said that, because I, <laughs> I think the general message that most people are getting around fitness and movement is like, if it's not working, it's, it's you, you. Yeah. like you're mm-hmm. not making enough time for this. You're not, you don't want it bad enough. Your priorities are out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not compassionate and it's not curious. It's really judgmental yeah. and self-flagellating instead of I wonder why this isn't working for me. Yeah. And is it possible it's not working for me because of X, Y, and Z outside of this like self-blame? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. My friend has, um, an, well, it's not an analogy to her, but it's an, it's an analogy to me. Um, she is a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often use like her stories as analogies for my work because it's, it's, seems so obvious when she talks about it so she was um, telling the story about how 
she was training her dog to lay down on his bed. And so she was having him kind of do it over and over again, like go to the bed, lay down. Okay. Now get back up. And he would do it like two or three times, like really well. And then he would kind of just stop. He would like kind of walk over to the bed or he wouldn't lay down. And she was like, I feel like even with dogs, a lot of people are like, oh, they're just being stubborn or they're just being lazy. Mm-hmm. And she was like, he's a dog. Like he doesn't like no stubbornness or right. like laziness like <laughs> if he's not doing it there's generally a reason why and sometimes right. the reason is just like I'm bored and I don't want to do this anymore and that is actually valid yeah yeah um but she ended up figuring out that he actually had um an issue with his elbows and so going mm. down and up over and over again was like too much of a strain mm. um for him and I was like, I, could you imagine if like we just gave ourselves like a little bit of that grace of like, oh, I actually like can't sustain getting up at whatever, 6 a.m. every day and like going to the gym, whatever mm-hmm. your goal is. And maybe it's not because I'm just lazy, but maybe there's something else going on. And maybe it's not an elbow injury, but maybe it's like, this is boring. This is it exciting for me I'm not getting anything positive out of this experience when I go um maybe this gym setting doesn't feel safe for me right right yeah or even like needing more sleep needing more of that rest you were kind of talking about earlier with the hustle culture too like maybe I'm needing more of other things and this feels like it has to be a priority because I'm being told it should be for quote unquote health, whatever that means to you, when maybe other things would be much more impactful to health. Right. So when it comes to health, obviously, we know that culturally, our society equates health to weight. And so just as someone who's a haze aligned professional, I'm curious how you navigate it when someone comes to you and their intent is to move or exercise for health and for them health means weight loss yeah i'm i think that well luckily i feel like a lot of people know that i i'm not mm-hmm. in the game helping <laughs> people yeah. Yeah. exercise for weight loss but i also know that like pretty much all of my clients are like, I know that you don't do this. And yet like, there's still part of me that wants to lose weight, which is totally understandable because mm-hmm. we've all been like poisoned by, yeah. <laughs> by the culture. Yeah. Um, but I really like to help people get specific on like, what does health look like for you? Um, because again, like we've really been conditioned to think of like healthy equals small or healthy equals thin or like, the road to health looks like a weight loss journey. Um, And sometimes people are like, I just want to like feel more comfortable in my body. And that is even kind of really loaded because I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, tell me about times where like you don't feel comfortable in your body. You know, I had a client I worked with years ago who um, had a lot of, um, issues with her hips like had some arthritis and so Mm -hmm. a lot of the work we were doing was like in the name of making it easier for her to like tie her shoes and Mm -hmm. get in and out of the car and it's like I I think that exercise like can totally be used for those 
functional activities which do like improve your quality of life and yeah um, again depending on how you define health like is it is health hit mobility like yeah for some people like that is health right um and I think that like we just have like a really really narrow view of health in our culture and we're seeing it now too like with the pandemic where we're like oh well like only people with comorbidities are getting really sick. And it's like, well, there are people too. <laughs> this yeah. is like, yeah. they deserve like to be taken care of as well. Like, like everyone else, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's just really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tangent. A welcome tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we can. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, you did not have to no, be sorry. We're just organizing ourselves a little bit. So, um, yeah. So I'm curious if you would want to share um, about your program, um, about, like that people can join, um, redefine your relationship with exercise, I think. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So. That is a group coaching program. I usually run it for six weeks at a time. Um, we're currently running one now and I'll probably run a couple more this year. Um, and it's been really great. So it's usually pretty small groups, like between eight and 10 people. And um, generally for people who are feeling maybe a little bit avoidant around mm. exercise, feeling like they've had all or nothing relationships with it where they've either maybe been like forced to exercise in the Mm. past or have kind of only exercised when it was in the name of weight loss and are now trying to kind of find a more balanced and helpful approach to exercise and movement. And so we talk a lot about values-based goals and um, defining our relationship with rest and how to prioritize like rest and play too as part of um, our relationship with exercise. So yeah, it's been really fun just kind of getting people in community with each other because I feel like I was having all of these conversations with my clients and I was like, everyone thinks they're the only ones who Mm. struggle with this. But really, it's like such, unfortunately, a common experience because we only see the good stuff. Like we only see people on social media who are like, I do this exercise every morning and Mm -hmm. stick to this routine or this program um whereas like more often than not like this all or nothing relationship is is happening yeah yeah absolutely that's so so awesome and I think so many people could really benefit from that um and I also noticed that you um help some fitness professionals learn how to screen for eating disorders um, I didn't know if you wanted to share about that in case there's anyone listening to um, this episode who might want to seek that service from you. Yeah, I um, I have an online course for trainers and all fitness professionals that is partly on health at every size that we've talked a little bit about today. It's on eating disorder screening and prevention and then also nutrition coaching for trainers because I think mm-hmm. we I think trainers like can talk to their clients about nutrition but they're not getting 
like solid information generally to provide them because I feel like I work with I've worked with a lot of clients who are like yeah like my trainer recommended whatever insert diet here um and I'm like I feel like you know when I was working like more full-time as a trainer I was having I was meeting clients like two to three times a week and I'm like that's like a really influential relationship for like it could yeah. be good or it could be bad influence and so um, I really wanted to provide this like comprehensive course that really shed light on like how we can help our clients with nutrition, body image, you know, do some screening and maybe prevention of eating disorders and have like a really positive impact on their like overall well-being outside of just like the training sessions. Yeah. Well, that's thank awesome. you. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> because it's so it's so defeating, I think, when we see clients here who, for such good reasons, maybe want to incorporate movement into yeah. their life in some way. But we feel like, I think I can speak for Becky, too. Yeah. We feel like when we send them out into the world, it's just a, a trap to, yeah. like, lure them right back into what has been incredibly debilitating and, in many cases, life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. to know that there's someone like you, and I hope there are others, who are offering this little slice of the world where we can talk about food and movement and body image in a way that protects people from harm. Yeah. Um yeah. And that's, it's not asking much, but in this culture, it's, it's such a rare find to hear someone um, from, I'll say like the fitness realm or fitness professionals have um, awareness and insight and intentionality around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so tough because I think so many people in the nutrition and exercise field get into the field yeah. because of their own potentially often disordered relationship with food and exercise. And that's, I mean, that is 100% how I got started with this work. Um, it was not from like, oh, I want to help people heal their relationship <laughs> right. with exercise. I was like, how do I get thin? Like, that was like my entry into the field and so I'm so grateful that like I found kind of a different path within Mm -hmm. that for like myself and for the sake of my clients but um yeah it's really hard because generally if you're working with someone like even the therapist like everyone has their own stuff happening and it's hard to kind of keep that completely separate sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah we're all living in diet culture you know Yep. Yeah. And thank you too for vulnerably sharing that you came into this field with that intent of, you know, pursuing thinness, because I think it also speaks to the beauty of change and how, um, I don't know if anyone listening maybe can relate to being in any of these fields that we've mentioned and maybe feeling like a passion or a push to maybe shift gears a little bit around the how of it. And so I just think it's really valuable that you shared, like, this wasn't always how you approached this. Mm, Yeah, 100%.
not yeah <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like oh my gosh I need to like email like every single time I've ever worked with <laughs> so I was I was 18 when I started training wow. people like like should be like illegal because yeah. I like one like just didn't have like a fully functioning like frontal lobe or whatever that yes. <laughs> um but yeah like it's like I mean I hope that those people in the field are open to like changing and, and growing <laughs> yeah. yeah and I can imagine that makes clients if you know if you share this with them feel really seen and validated you know like that it's okay that you're coming into this space having these you know beliefs and thoughts and you know I've been able to do this it's possible to change like you were saying mm-hmm. I think that that's refreshing because I think sometimes people see us where we're all at now in these spaces and assume, well, oh, well, they just must have always had a healthy relationship with food or they must just know something I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is we're all human and we're all, like you said earlier, you know, really swimming in diet culture. Um, and we all have to actively do this unlearning to get to these spaces. Totally. Yeah, it's hard to unlearn that like, like happiness is like just on the other side of a diet or an exercise. Mm-hmm. Right program but yeah yeah Yeah. I love your collective like yeah we spend a lot of time together yeah (laughs) yeah I want to like get a recording of that and just like play it just be your your uh yeah hype hype girls Uh, (laughs) great well where can listeners find you if they want to follow you or kind of take a look at the programs and the things you offer, anything that's coming up soon? Yeah, everything is on my website, which is just my name, jessiehaggerty.com. And then I'm mostly on Instagram and social media, which is at jessiehaggertyrd. Great. And we'll also make sure that that's in the bio yeah. to the episode. Uh, so that it's an easy find for people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Don't Mind If We Do. We're really excited to continue sharing awesome conversations with you all about unlearning. And if you want to find out when our newest episodes will be releasing, you can go ahead and follow us over on Instagram at Don't Mind If We Do Pod. Thanks for being here.